I'm Dr. Michelle Perez. And I'm Billy Liggett. And this Rise with Orange. Kelly Knopfstein is the Title IX coordinator here at Campbell. I have a lot written about what Title IX is, but you know what? We're just going to ask her that. Uh, welcome to Rhymes with Orange, <laughs> uh, Kelly Knopfstein. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hey. Uh, I, like I said, I have a ton of stuff written about what Title IX is, but uh, it's better that you explain that. But first, okay. I do want to ask you, um, is this the Loyola University that's in the Final Four right yes. now? Yes. All right. You got your law degree and your master's degree from there. So yep. congratulations. You got to be excited, I guess, right? Um, I'm not really a basketball person. Well, I'm more <laughs> into football. Roll Tide, y'all. So, yeah, uh, you undergrad at Alabama, Birmingham. Um, this is going to be a fun show. This is going to be a lot of fun show. She's here to uh, fully explain in less than 15 minutes everything there is to know about Title IX. Um, but really, the, the big reason I wanted you to come on is because you recently just led a uh, the first Women's Leadership Summit a few weeks ago. Um, I was one of two men in the room for that. I think there was a guy recording in the back, too. But I thought it was excellent. I was there for about the first hour, hour and a half. And so um, this was the Women's Leadership Summit. You had about uh, a little over 100 uh, students involved in this. You had several faculty members. Um, what what brought about the idea to want to do that? So kind of twofold here. Um, part of Title IX, there's a lot of... A lot of Title IX coordinators and programs on campuses, I feel like right now are kind of, I don't want to say against men, but it's definitely kind of this Me Too men thing, Time's Up men. And I try to find other ways to empower women that without putting men down. So that was kind of part one. And then part two was, um, as a young professional on this campus, I've had a lot of women come into my office of, can you help me with this? Um different. Will you look at my resume? Will you write me a reference letter? People sometimes curious about going to law school. So I get a lot of questions about just workplace. I recently had a baby, so I get questions about that too, of how do you balance all those different things. So I wanted to find kind of a venue or a way to empower women, give them information, but then also have conversations with them about leadership and then kind of steps after college and connecting them also. You mentioned we had faculty and staff, but we also had a lot of alumni. So connecting students with kind of a mentor in their field as well. Uh, you told me um, when I first got there, you said you shared a little story. You said when you were an attorney, um, you do somebody's case, and then you're, you're their attorney for life. Yes. And you say, as Title IX coordinator, somebody comes to you for advice their freshman year, suddenly you're the best friend for the next four years. It's so true, and it's actually funny. While I was waiting for this to set up, I just had a student text me a couple of different things, and I was like, well, I don't do that, but this is who you should go and talk to. And she basically messaged me back, and she was like, I love you. Thank you so much or something. I was like, okay. But it's true. I feel like, especially with the young women that I have helped on the Title IX front, um, I think I've, my office is a safe space to land, and they've had really hard conversations in my office. So after that, they feel really comfortable coming to me for all kinds of things. Um, and a lot of times it's something even as simple as I had a student last semester who said, I want to change my major and I don't know what to do. And so I can help them with those little things or at least point them in the right direction. Back to the summit, yeah. uh, there were, um, you had a panel at the beginning and you had uh, a couple of recent graduates who are now in their career fields. You had a couple, um, a little bit older, a lot older, um, who talked about what it was like being in a male dominated, uh, company 
in the late eighties, early nineties, their stories were eye opening. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, I won't go over, we actually had um, Tara Wilson, an alum, was a guest, and she talked about a few of those things when we had her on last semester. But um, just some of the eye opening things they said about the harassment that they faced and how they dealt with it. Um, did you did you hear any feedback from the students there on on uh, what it was like to hear those stories? I did. Um, so we did. We had the panel, and then we had kind of tabletop conversations where they talked with mentors that we had paired them up with, and then um, we did like a formal dinner and had a keynote. And I actually sat with a group of students for a dinner part and had conversation with them, and a lot of them did express that of that it was eye opening. Um, and I think it also they felt. I get you know I hate to use the word empowered over and over, but they did feel like that there's people that have come before me that have paved these pathways and done these things. And it was empowering for them to hear that, to say, I can go and I can change things or make things different. And I can also stand up to these things if I do face them. I have one other question about this, and then I'll let your best friend <laughs> in the world, uh, Dr. Michelle Perez, uh, step Ex-best in as well. Friend. <laughs> um, but uh, so you mentioned at, at the very beginning here, uh, this was an event that empowers women but doesn't put men down. Right. Um, I have... No comment on that because <laughs> I, we are we are at a we're in a movement right now yes. in this country and um, I hear a lot of men having an opinion on this and I am of the mindset that <laughs> men don't really need to be speaking about this right now on either side so uh, but I'm interested in what you said about that so why is that important that that you're empowering empowering women but um, it seems like men are not the good guys a, a lot of times in this right now. Are you trying to change that mindset? Um, so I think kind of I'm not you know an activist in that sense of the bigger picture. I'm here for college campus and that culture. And if we want to have a conversation about Title IX and the Me Too movement on a you know campus, it's a little bit different here than it is out in the you know per se the real world. Um, men are victims of sexual harassment and assault on college campuses, especially. It's a little bit higher than people even realize. Um, And that's one of the big areas that is underreported. So I think not having them a part of that conversation is not fair. Um, And I don't want them to, and if anything, you know, having them part of that conversation and then realizing you are also a part of this, but also empowering them to protect our female students. And when they see these things to stand up and say something. And before Dr. Prez speaks, I will say that Dr. Prez just hosted a uh, a career fair yesterday. Um, your summit had career advice for a lot of young women. Uh, Dr. Perez's a career fair, um, she kind of changed it for the better this year with adding resume advice and career advice. So the two of you sitting at the end of the table are doing a lot for our young students looking for their careers, looking ahead toward their careers. So I want to commend both of you. But now, uh, Dr. Perez, I, I, I can cede the mic to you. And please speak into it as uh, as <laughs> as you were told uh, by your friend here that that you don't do well enough. <laughs> Great, actually, I really am. I would love for you to share with our listening audience a little bit about Title Nine in that um, the historical perception, with the accurate perception that it has to do with athletics. Sure, but then where it's come. Yeah, yeah. So um, Title IX is a part of the Education Amendments of 1972, and originally it is about athletics and having more women um, in different sports and areas. And there still is, you know, that rule of like a percent, a certain amount of our athletes have to be women and the scholarships have to allocate out. It has become more recently an before, avenue. Be, yeah. Before you go on, can you- 
can you um, maybe address why that started there for athletics? Why do we have to have an equal amount of, of women <laughs> uh, sports? And sure, sure. Because, um, I, I, because I, there's so many people who who don't understand why campuses need to do that. Right. Um, it comes down to discrimination and equality, really, is what it's about. Um, unfortunately, sometimes if we don't give avenues or mandate people you got to have a certain amount of not even just women, but just different minorities and things. Sometimes people won't give different people opportunities is really what it comes down to. Um, and kind of in the 70s when that was going on, if you think back, even in terms of education, colleges was a new place for even women. Um, before that, so many women that did go to school was to become secretaries or nurses or school teachers. There wasn't as many women coming into higher education. Um, and so it was a way to encourage more women, but then also to have them equally participating within the college experience fully. Um, so sexual assault, harassment kind of became a bigger piece on college campuses. And then in 2014 is when the Department of Education said we've got to have find a way to address this. Um, and Title IX seemed to be the most appropriate place. Um, it's easier with legislation to go through something that's already in place to compare to creating something new. Um, and it is, it basically prohibits discrimination based on sex on a college campus, so sexual assault and harassment fits into that very, very well. Go into your bio on uh, Campbell's website. Um, you provide oversight and support of Campbell's compliance obligations under federal and state laws. This was written by a lawyer. As I well read as, it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> as well as the university's policies prohibiting discrimination, harassment, sexual misconduct, and retaliation. Um, that that's a lot. I mean, that, there's that's a lot going on there. Uh, did we? Ha uh, I understand you are the first Title IX coordinator here. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So. Before I got here, um, our general counsel, who was also head of HR, was fielding Title IX complaints, which is um, a huge conflict of interest on several fronts. Um, and then he was also an older man. So I think that right there in itself kind of lends itself to, I don't say problematic, but I can't imagine being an 18-year-old girl being sexually assaulted and then speaking to an older man about the you know that issue and that incident. Um, so there was a move to... So 2014 is when the federal government said that all schools have to have a Title IX coordinator, so it's a federally mandated position. Um, that could be anybody, although there has been more oversight that come down that it should be something that's not the general counsel's office and it should be separate from HR. Um, and so Campbell made the move, which is kind of amazing for a small private school to foresee that. Um, and we were... I don't want to speak out here, but I want to say we were one of the first private schools in North Carolina to have a full-time Title IX coordinator, and it wasn't like a shared responsibility with another position. And how long ago was this? I've been here three years. Okay. Yeah, and uh, usually we do ask people what brought them to Campbell, but I'm, uh, I'm kind of going way out of the way to <laughs> ask you that. But um, started school in Alabama. I guess you grew up in Alabama as well. I did. And went to Chicago. How, how did you get to Campbell? Um, so... About 10 years ago, I lived and worked in Raleigh. Um, I did some education lobbying and then ended up working for the General Assembly doing education policy initiatives and legislative writing. Went to Chicago, met my husband. We were getting married. He's from Mississippi. I'm from Alabama. And we both wanted to move south. We were just tired of the weather. Um, and he kind of asked me, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? And I actually told him the Raleigh area. I felt like it was a good, it's the South, but it's not hot, like the deep South. Um, 
North Carolina is like a good median of you got the mountains, the beach, it's fun. So we honestly both applied to jobs anywhere and everywhere. Um, and then when Campbell called, I remember my husband being like, where is Campbell? <laughs> so I came for my own campus interview and just fell in love. Um, we loved that it was a faith-based school. We loved that it was private. I, like you said, grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, almost across the street from Stanford University. So Stanford and Campbell have a very similar feel. So I feel like because of that, maybe it felt really familiar and already at home. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to end up, they obviously offered me the job and we came to Campbell. We lived on campus our first six months and just really fell in love with the campus and the community here. The president here. Yes, here from, from Stanford. Stanford well. Yes, yeah, awesome. Uh, going back to Chicago, and then yeah. and then it's all it's all yours after this, Doctor Perez. <laughs> um, going back to Chicago, I'm really uh, not fighting to get my hands on the microphone no, today. Know, but <laughs> She's just kicking me under the table a lot. The uh, you worked in the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights. This yeah. is straight from your bio too. I I, I'm, I really went to one website for this. <laughs> uh, it's all inaccurate. But but you worked a lot of Title IX cases, um, racial and gender discrimination, di- uh, discrimination against uh, students with disabilities. Um, to me, it sounds pretty fascinating, and uh, I imagine you saw a lot of. Interesting cases. Uh, I know you can't always talk about specific cases, but it's all um, confidential. Just, yeah, some of the, some of the stuff you saw. Uh, what, what? Yeah, uh, um, and I'll give you kind of memory. a big picture here. So I actually had my master's in education, like you said. Went to law school, focusing on education. Wanted to be a part of education. Um, worked for an attorney doing special education, actually, and representing parents up against school systems, and that was what I was really passionate about. Um, Got it. Started working for OCR, and they handle all kinds of different issues. Um, and I was on a team of attorneys that was doing special education at the time. And there was a big case with Ohio State that they were under investigation, um, and they needed a couple other people to be on that team. And it was a Title IX case, and so I got moved and knew nothing about Title IX at the time, and kind of just learned on the fly. Um, and I don't want to say fell in love with it. It's just a very interesting area. Um, And then, obviously, when we were looking for jobs, because it is a mandated position for colleges to have, and it's only since 2014, it's a pretty – it's a wide range of positions that are needed across America, and not a lot of people are going into it. Um, So Campbell actually Law School is currently talking about having a special kind of section of even trying to field attorneys into it. Um, But, yeah, like you said, I did handle some special education cases when I was up there. You know, even things as simple as going to elementary schools and, like, measuring thresholds and doorways. That's part of the job. Um, Handled a couple of racial issues. And then some really interesting Title IX pieces, just things that you would never even think of. Um, One case that stands out in my mind is we had a case where it had to do with high school that a girl's soccer was like a campus, um, like a rec lead, had complained that so their season was in the spring versus guys was in the fall. And because the spring was rainier and colder in Chicago, their practices and their games got canceled more. So it was discrimination and unfair. It was kind of going back to that equity piece. So we had to do a whole investigation of actually like counting how many practices versus games and measuring out of was it actually unfair and was there discrimination with them having a fall versus spring season. And what was the decision? It ended up being fine and they kept it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible. I mean, it's terrible to have. Sp- there is no spring in Chicago, though. There is none. So, 
Um, well, very cool. Dr. Perez, uh, it's yours. <laughs> this is all the stuff that gets edited. Yeah. No, not this time. Not, to, not this time. I actually I was just wondering what sort of um, uh, topics or issues do you see that folks send your way that don't belong in the mm. Title IX office? I get a lot of stuff that people think, oh, this is unfair, but it's not discrimination based on sex. So therefore, it's truly not Title IX. Um, and we had a little bit of lapse with some kind of places for sometimes that stuff to land. We didn't. We have a recent director of HR as well. Um, so I have done a couple of those things. Sometimes people get confused with what conduct issues are truly Title IX as well. Um, so I do have those kinds of things without, I can't really go into a lot of detail, honestly, but sometimes people, and honestly, I never tell someone, oh, I, that's not my job. I don't handle that. I either go and ask my supervisor, can I look into this and help them? Or I take them to someone that can, um, people that end up in my office are in crisis most often and they just want help. And so I'm going to do that any way that I can. So a lot of your role is as a counselor role. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've become better at. I don't do really well with crying. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I've, I've gotten better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted, I, I definitely wanted to have you in here because, like I said, I thought the summit was a, a great event. Are there plans um, for more of those? Yeah. You had, you had a lot of participation. So what, what's next for that? Um, the enthusiasm that we had from alumni and faculty staff and even the students that went. I don't think I've ever been to an event. I do a lot of education. I try to be so proactive on this campus with Title IX education. Um, but I've never had so many students like come up and shake my hand and just thank me for an event and doing something. So we definitely do want to do something in the future. Um, maybe do some kind of different format so it's not the exact same thing again. But I think it is so important to engage our students in conversation of what do you do with your degree and information once you go to the workplace, preparing them better for one of the things we talked about was salary negotiation. What does that really look like and what does that feel like? Um, how do you balance having a family and work-life balance? You know, maybe you choose not to have a family, but you want to do something else outside of work. How do you make those decisions and draw those lines? So I think having those conversations with students is so important. Um, so yes, we want to do something again in the future. An, an old man panel talking about the, <laughs> the good old days and the yes. way it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that would be very eye-opening, actually. <laughs> Um, well, this went very quickly, but we are out of time. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly Nostein. Uh, I said that five times. Kelly Nostein, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I'd love to have you back on um, if you want to uh, promote next year's event. We'd love to have you back. Okay. This good. was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.